Good evening and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our live weekly Q&A. Tonight we're fortunate enough to be speaking with Danny Kerr from D.K. Stock and Dogs. Danny will be picking who he thinks has asked the best question of the night and they will win a bag of Enduro high energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. Hey Danny, how are you going? Bloody good. That's the way. <laughs> How's your day mate? Playing with tractors? Playing with machinery, shoeing horses, well, taking shoes off horses, um, schooling dogs, and um, yeah, driving down the M7, which I absolutely hate to go and get tractor parts and stuff. But anyway, and, and you'd uh, you'd been doing a bit of um, work with your horses and their their feet with all the wet weather over the last couple of years. Uh well, yeah, we're very limited on horses here at the moment because. It keeps bloody raining and we keep um, having a very big water walker down there. So we have to vacate horses and, um, yeah, so it's a bit different at the that's moment. A really, that's a really nice way of putting the floods, a water walker. <laughs> yeah. do you wanna, do, for our listeners out there that don't really know, Danny, you want to tell us a bit of, about the water that you've had there in recent years? Well, I think we're, we're in the Hawkesbury, um, so on the Hawkesbury River. Um, so I think we've had three floods in the fir- in the last um, two years, and um, yeah, so three big floods. Yeah, massive floods. Um, when you can't see the top of your stables, I consider that fairly major. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's been it's been unbelievable to see the amount of water that can be in this area, um, but I don't want to see any more. That's so it. how long have you been on that place for? Um, so I managed, my wife and I managed this place. We've managed it for um, 19 years. Um, yep. And pre here, we were up in the Hunter Valley. Um, yeah. Well, and the last couple of years, would have, are they the biggest floods you've seen or? Yeah. So yeah. we hadn't had any floods here um, up until two and a half years ago. Um, yeah, wow. So it's amazing. It's the country here is amazing. Um, beautiful river flats. So when it's not raining, it's, you know, the best kind of, um, country you can get. It's beautiful black soil. And, you know, it was an oasis in the drought because we could just pump out of that, that, um, Hawkesbury river and it looked amazing, but, um, yeah, she soon full, fills up pretty quick when it starts raining. Pretty experienced fencer now as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm getting real good at that. Um, anyone, anyone out there looking for a fencer? Danny Kerr's your man. Not at all. I am retired. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, for the people that don't know you that well, do you want to uh, explain what you do What you do there? Um, yeah, so as I was saying, I, I've managed this place. Um, well, I've worked for the same guy for 20-something years. Um, we started... I started with him and we played polo. Um, so my job was to break in all the polo ponies, um, get them to a stage where I could hand them over to uh, the patron, my boss. Um, and yeah, so we got horses going for him and then um, got horses going to sell overseas and to other people. Um, and then as he got a little bit older, um, polo was just a bit too tough for him um, because he was in his, 60 late 60s early 70s um so understandably you know yeah it's like rugby on a horse so 
you can understand a 60 year old playing rugby on a horse is not cool <laughs> so um he stopped playing polo i kept on playing for a couple of years just to keep selling bringing horses on and selling um and then he put all his money into the racing world um so we always had a few race horses but we just got bigger into it and um got more mares and better mares better stains and um so that's where we're at now is just breeding and selling racehorses and you've um bred some group one winners i believe yeah a few group one winners um cox plate winner um yeah, we've had a few run in the um golden slipper which is quite exciting we haven't won a golden slipper that would be the ultimate for my boss that's his that's his dream um but yeah that's um we've, we've had some good ones we need some better ones now but do you want to give the starter plug there uh, Ascot Park in the Hawkesbury. Um, yeah, we're only very in the big schemes of things. We're a, we're a tiny little start in the world of racing, but um, we give it to the big boys, which is good. That's that's the game. Maybe how about yourself? Where where'd you grow up, Danny? Um, so I've always kind of been on the Hawkesbury Nepean River area. Um, so I grew up in Penrith. Don't hold that against me. Um, <laughs> and I got shipped off um to Kempsey to a dairy farm when I was about 13 14 um and did a few years up there on a dairy farm and um do you want to get that Reg? I don't think I've ever heard this home phone ring. <laughs> I, was say. <laughs> I don't even know how to this ring us for questions not ring you <laughs> um yeah, so that got moved up to Kempsey, which is a, again another beautiful river flat kind of area that I did see floods up there when I was young. So that was quite cool. Yeah. Um, walking dairy cattle through big floods. Um, yeah, so in the Hawkesbury and then the um, Kempsey area and then to the Hunter Valley. Yeah. And, and I know you have a pretty cool, uh, you're a bit of a man of many talents for the people that know you. I believe you managed a winery at one stage as well. Yeah, well, that was for the same fellow that I work for now. He had a, a vineyard up at um, Denman. Um, yep. So it was a vineyard slash horse setup. Um, so I did the did the grapes there for two seasons um, while doing the polo ponies and thoroughbreds. Um, it was just in between uh, us buying this place down here and um, the manager left up there um so yeah i had to take it over for for a little bit um do you so remember? That, that was very different do you remember much of that no that was it was pretty intense because i was working horses and we were harvesting too in the night um it was it was insane yeah so, no time for a for a quick red then no no not at all so we didn't actually uh we didn't have we didn't make the the wine there. We just picked it and shipped it off to um, yep. sellers. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So, mate, growing up in Penrith, headed out to Campsie, where'd your passion for livestock come from? Uh, I was pretty lucky. My grandfather was a um, a groundsman at a cattle uh, at a cattle place over near St Mary's. Um, they they had Charolais and um, Manalong specials. And um, so I'd go out there every weekend and um, yeah, stuff around with lawnmowers, but also 
chase cattle around and get them ready for sales. And I was probably just an absolute nuisance and a pest, <laughs> really, to all the um, right, there. But um, I thought I was doing a pretty good job washing the cattle and helping clip. And but really, was that one? Was that on Memory Road? Yes. Oh, the bloke, I think John was his name. No, owner. No, Rick Pesachura. Yeah, my grandfather bought a heap of Charolais. We got our first Kelpie off from those blokes. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, my grandfather had a cattle feed lot only about oh, an hour up the road. So and, uh, we bought Charolais off them, and, yeah, they gave us our first Kelpie, which I thought was an awesome dog. <laughs> Looking backwards, maybe not so. <laughs> So that just hooked you, and um, or obviously they had a couple of dogs there, mate. So did your passion for dogs come from there as well, or this came later in life? No, there wasn't any dogs. Um, the manager there, um, who I am really good mates with now, Peter Govan, he had a dog, but it wasn't a working dog there. It was just a pet. It was a big fat Kelpie that sat on the porch um, that I can remember. I think it was a real bad bluer, actually. It used to blue with any other dog that would come on the place. Um, so there wasn't any working dogs. We would do everything by um, posty and, and bikes. Um, yeah. They were all pretty quiet cattle and there was lots of laneways and stuff. So it was all pretty easy kind of working cattle That's there. Right. Yeah. Pretty cool property. And how long were you dairy farming for? Um, so so that guy who managed the Mandalong stud, um, he was the dairy farmer that I moved to um, in Kempsey, which is um, Peter Govan. Um, so he was nice enough for him, him and his wife with a young family took me in because I was a little bit of a bad bastard. So they took me in up there at Kempsey and I think I was there for two years, maybe. Um, yeah, it must have been about two years. And then I came back down to Sydney and got into horses. Mm. So did you have much to do with horses like before then or was it all new to you after coming back from Kempsey? Um well, yeah, no. So at Mandalong Park down there at St Mary's, they used to have donkeys in the in the back paddock, and we'd bring them in to break in the cattle. And um, I always thought it was fun. I'd run them into the cattle crush and chuck a rope on them and open the gate by myself and and buck them out until <laughs> I could ride them down the lanes. And then I'd ride them for for um, all day around the property. They'd never been broken in, um, but they were broken in by the, the end of the day. Um, so that was as close to a horse that I'd ever been. Um, and then in Kempsey, oh, there was a pretty good looking girl up there that um, had a horse and I used to just go riding with her and I, I must have made a fool out of myself, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> I'd try to jump pictures and I'd fall off and just get back on. And um, So I didn't, I didn't really know how to ride. I just, I was like a little monkey. I'd just hang on. <laughs> Learn on the job. Yeah. But... I got so once I moved down from Kempsey onto the horse place down here, um, it was actually just to fix fences and build stables for the guy. Um, and he was nice enough to let me ride in the afternoon and ended up, I oh, was okay at it. So he kept on giving me some horses to ride. And um, that's when I got into show jumping. I, I um, yeah, used to go to the jump club and try and jump around in my jodkas. <laughs> How'd you go with those, mate? They're pretty tight. <laughs> <laughs> and, and from there, where did you head? 
Um, so after that, that fellow, he wasn't real good at paying. He was an accountant, but he, he never had enough money to pay us. So uh, that's where I've met my wife there, um, Amy. Um, she, yeah, she, she came looking for a job there and um, the guy put her on and um, we became really good mates. And um, yeah, and then, yeah, we became boyfriend and girlfriend. And then um, because he didn't keep paying us, he, we thought, oh, we better bloody go and find a job that actually we can get some money for. And I got my peas and mm. said to the guy, I think we need to um, find another job. So um, he said, oh, you better get better pack your stuff and piss off now then. I said, oh, okay. So lucky I got my peas. And so we pissed off that night and, and uh, Amy, my wife, had uh, worked down at the polo club there the season before, the year before. And she said, oh, we should go down there. They, they'll have jobs they've always got jobs and um so we went down there the next day and and uh met the manager of, of the polo fields there and he said amy you're you you can have a job but we don't employ blokes so you need to piss off i said geez that's not very nice so um anyway the next day i dropped amy off and i parked the car and snuck around and um introduced myself to a few of the patrons which is the the money man of polo yeah and um and the guy that I work for now, he said, look, I can't afford to pay you both, but you can come up to Elliston, which is Kerry Packer's polo place for a month, or it might have been two months, actually. I'll pay for your food. You can live there for nothing. Um, you can learn what you need to learn, and then hopefully we'll find your job at the end of it. I said, sweet. As long as I had a feed and, and a bed, that was cool. And so we, we went up there and... Um, I rode that many horses every day that I rubbed my ass raw, literally, um, and learnt so much. Um, learnt how to ride some pretty average horses and some really good horses, and um, got back down to Sydney and had a job lined up, and the rest is history. That's all right, eh? So you and Amy obviously met pretty young. Yeah, I think we're well. Yeah, I eighteen. So oh no. Whenever you get your peas. 17. Yeah, 17. Yeah. Wow, young whippersnapper. She got you yeah. early, mate. <laughs> and, mate, have you ever considered doing anything Anything else? No, I was a bit of a dumb bastard at school, so there wasn't too much more that I could do, but, you know, just stuff with my hands or with animals. Um, I was always good with, with animals on that, on that dairy farm and the cattle place, you know, like I'd always... I'd always be chasing something around and, you know, doing something with animals. So it was always going to be that, I suppose. Yeah. And and with your dogs, I guess we should probably get onto that a little bit. Who who inspired you to even get into dogs, coming from your horses and being flat chat with breeding season and, and um, everything to get into dogs? Yeah, well, I, I – um... Once I stopped breaking in our own horses and polo and playing polo, I lacked that training something. And um, I got back in touch with Peter Govan and um, and he had just had a litter out of a Kiwi bitch, Collie bitch. And um, I said, geez, this would be a good idea to keep in contact with you and a reason to keep in contact with you and, um, and 
you know, be cool to get a dog off you. So I've got one of those pups, which is my first dog, Buddy. And um, it was awesome because, yeah, I kept in contact with Peter and Sue and I'd ring him up every day and send him photos and videos and he'd go, don't do that, you dickhead. Um, and yeah, so that, that he was my, yeah, inspiration to start dogs and get a dog. Do you want a to tell dog. us? Sorry? A dog. I was, it was just a dog. And, and that, that's, that dog's grown, multiplied. Yeah. Just, they just keep multiplying. I don't know where they the come from. Everyone's right. They get wet and they just keep coming. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what happens. I just keep having to build dog boxes and yeah, it's crazy. What, what, what's, what's the, what's the clicker? What, what's gotcha about it? About the dogs? What, what's the, the catch? What, what's got you? What drives horse? you? Um, it's bloody amazing what buttons you can put on a dog and, and those buggers just keep coming back and wanting to please you and do stuff. And, um, and it's like they know that they, they're just, that it's, I don't know, it's, they're pretty, they're just amazing. Yeah. Do you want to, you want to tell us a bit about your current team there, mate? Um, so Buddy was my first dog. He's rising four year old now. Um, so I've got him as a straight off the tip pup. Um, and Mingle is his uh, little sister, who's the same age, obviously, little sister. Um, but Peter gave her to me a bit later on because he didn't have enough work for her. He saw how passionate I was um, with the dogs and, and she needed a lot of work. Um, so he said, look, just have this thing for a little bit. Um, but I want her back. Um, we'll try and find a dog for her and probably put her in pup and then send her back. And um, I keep offering it back. And he says, no, I, I couldn't handle her. So you can keep going with her. You're doing all right. <laughs> um, so there's those two. So they're my oldest dogs. They're rising four. Um, I've got this bloody Kelpie thing off some guy <laughs> up the hill there, EK Kelpie or something. Some, some, some. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, they're pretty rough, I think. Yeah, um, should see the head on it. Yes, mongrel looking thing. The, <laughs> the temperament. <laughs> you wouldn't know that. So that was uh, so being a smart ass, um, and it's kind of it bites me in the ass every time. I, I brought a kelpie and I called a collie. Um, so I think he is. Um, three would he be three Dan? yeah maybe about three now yeah um yeah so he's my three-year-old and then i've got um some pups out of mingle and they're about nine months old they're by timmy and that's about it i think got a couple of little pups that we won't talk about but <laughs> coming along yeah. <laughs> And yeah, so just mainly, mainly the the three is my team. It's not a yeah. a normal team like most people that have been on here, I suppose. And have you developed a um, a style or type of dog that you like or prefer? I'm so green at it. I'm still trying to work out what kind of dog I like or what kind of style. Or I reckon I'm quite a few years off knowing what that is yet, really. What, what, what do you like in a dog? What are you drawn at to at the moment? What appeals to you, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I've, so I've had lots, uh, not lots, I've had a few others that I've found I've rehomed and um, because they haven't suited me. Um, and they were dogs that didn't want to come forward too much. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that I like a dog that comes forward um, because I can get it to get off. Um, so that I think that's a big tick. You know, I don't mm -hmm. like to go get in, get in, get in. I'd rather, you know, have a, I've got a bit of presence so I can hold them out. So I think that's a big thing that I, that needs to have that come forward. Um, they need to be good types for me. I like horse background and cattle background. Like I like it nice type. So, you know, good through the shoulder and, um, yeah, just a, a neck that sits on nice and nice hind quarter. Yeah. So that's, that's what I like. Beautiful. In day to day, you obviously don't have real work, but what are you doing with your dogs day to day? Yeah, I'm very different to probably most people that you've had on your show because I've got a trainer mob of 12 sheep that I think they know my sides more than my dogs. <laughs> I've got a, I, I always had cattle on the farm, but I think I've got 15 head. So they're pretty quiet. Um, They'd never seen dogs before, so I had to kind of break them into dogs. But they're quiet for humans and stuff. Um, so day to day, I'm pretty intense with my schooling on dogs. Um, so they're always, every day I'll be doing something with a few of them. I, now that I've got so many, I, I spread them out. So I've, I got so many dogs because I was just hammering poor old buddy. You know, that poor bastard did some miles mm -hmm. early. I was so passionate about schooling him that I'd be out there probably twice a day sending the poor bugger around in circles. Um, so I needed to get quite a few dogs to take up that um, intensity. Yeah. And obviously they're pretty good around horses. Yeah, they are. Um, actually, I I hope my boss isn't going to watch this, but I use Buddy quite a bit in the breeding season to bring the foals in because foals can be a pain in the ass to bring into the stables. So um buddy for the first two years that's how i got his sides you know i would be leading the bear and i'd be there telling buddy his sides just to go on the other side of that foal so it would keep walking up into the crush and um you know i did that that was our morning shift because we would do all our breeding stuff in the morning with the mares and foals um yeah yeah so, so they're good around the horses they know not to go bloody near them when when they're not told to you know like leave it is one of the first commands I give my dogs because I can't mm -hmm. have them running after the horses. There you go. Some people use runner ducks, Danny Kerr. Foles. <laughs> Thoroughbred foals. <laughs> you just need to start a, um, a trial with, with mares and foals. I'll, I'll nail it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's go. Um, I absolutely just got lost to where I was. Um, it's getting around um mate, has there been any dogs or handlers well let's talk about dogs first is there any dogs that you've seen and just gone does just steal somebody else's question yeah oh, ollie, ollie I say, hands, before yeah. i steal somebody else's question yeah. ollie hansen's asked um who is your favorite dog slash handler combination to watch and why jeez i don't know not you ollie <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know. I get something out of watching everyone, whether it be a 
you know, well, I was watching Mick Hudson on the weekend at Dubbo. He's just a freak. Um, his dogs are just freaks. Um, obviously, just so much training and um, goes into them. You can't pick a dog out of Mick's string that um, because they're just amazing. Um, but I also get, like, I watch some random um, McKillops there competing <laughs> on the on the weekend that first time three sheeping and they were, I was in awe of them. You know, they absolutely nailed it. So, um, Good yeah, I, yeah, I get, I get something out of watching everyone. So I can't really say one particular person, I suppose. And knowing your attention to detail, you, um, you sit there and, and what, what are you looking for when you're watching someone? Um, shapes in the three sheep. Well, and in the yard stuff, I think um, shapes and position and where they're stopping, where the, you know, where they're putting their dog and how, how much pressure they're putting on that stock to create flow and stuff. Um, yeah. What have, what have your dogs taught you about stock handling? Um, they're teaching me uh, flow, stock, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that is just the one thing is is so important. Even even in a three sheet paddock, you know, where if if you're a millimeter out of place, the flow goes the wrong way. You're, you're rooted. Um, and in the yard stuff, I think you know that that um, utility trial at Ningen, I was on point with where I needed to place my dog in the yards. I haven't got yard dogs. You know they're New Zealand border collies that yeah so I had to placement was key for them to um create flow so um I've learned heaps just with my dogs and watching dogs at our local club and and at events yeah so what what makes you stop and actually watch someone when you're at a trial I get bored pretty quick so I don't I don't usually watch a full round of anything but I something always catches my eye and I, whether it be bad or good, you know, some yeah. people or dogs look real shit and I'll still watch it because I'll learn something out of it. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I'll, I'll watch anything for a little bit. <laughs> and is there, are there any dogs at the moment that just you're in awe of? Bonnie. I am actually in awe of Bonnie. <laughs> you sold the wrong dog, Daniel. <laughs> I cannot believe some clown. <laughs> we won't get into that on the line. She's in a good mode, mate. That's all she needed. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> definitely is. Yeah. Other than Bonnie. Other, other than Bonnie. <laughs> um, uh, again, in the three-sheet world, Mick Hudson's dogs are just on point like they're insanely good um gary white's dogs are always there in the finals so like mm -hmm. they're just amazing dogs um i'm sure there's shitloads more people that their dogs are amazing too there is definitely but but those those two fellas i'm in awe of hand, their handle ability and their dogs like they've just got multiple dogs in finals all the time yeah, the consistency overall. Yeah. Mm. Is, um, what do you think, like, 
I know you've had limited, but what do you think makes a good sheepdog compared to a good cattle dog? And I'm asking you this because you've put in a lot of Ks over the last few years. And, you've and you're having a low. crack. Yeah, you're having a crack at everything out there um, and competitive at everything. What, what, in your eyes, what, what do you think the, where are the differences lie? Um, I think their brain has to be just amazing. Like to do all, to do all three. And I know there's plenty of people that probably do it and do it well, but to do all three, like I'm doing like mingle and buddy brain is sensational to go from one week cattle trial and, and winning, um, an open cattle trial to then go to a three sheet the following week and, and place and win in a three sheet. Like I'm in awe of the brain capacity of, of these, um, dogs that I've got. Um, I don't know. I don't know what makes them like that. If, if it's bloodlines or the way I'm training or I don't know. I need I need about six more of the bastards, but if anyone <laughs> and you're obviously you've got a few collies and you've had a couple of kelpies. What what keeps you going back to the collies? Um I don't want to be pigeonholed as one, like Yeah. So I want I want both in my camp. I just want to keep finding the best of both and keep having it in my camp. Yeah. Um, I've got some really exciting um, Kelpie pups that I've that are coming that um, well two are two are born so two are nearly ready to pick up. Um, I've obviously got um, the EK um, Kelpie that's he he is amazing to watch out in the paddock yeah. is like no other. I I get lost when I'm working him. I go. Oh geez, look at this dog work. Oh my god. Oh shit, I've got to be a right, right. <laughs> um, but I've also I've also got some exciting um border collies that I've ordered that should be hopefully will be exciting. Um and ones that I've bred hopefully tick all the boxes and can stay in the camp. So you're just having a crack at anything at the moment and just seeing what 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 fancies you? Yep. If there's a if there was a deer trial next week, I'll give a deer trial a go. Um, I don't think I would do. I don't think I would. I'm not dog racist, but I don't think I would do a blue dog like someone else tried a blue dog. I think <laughs> I'll keep out of that one. But um, if there's if there's something out there that is working, I'll go. I'll give that a crack for sure. Yeah. In the way of breeds. Poor blue dogs. They make good pets as well. Yeah. How, how's your one going? He's all right. He goes. He gets around them all right. He's a bull fan. I don't give him enough time. He's more of a pet, but now he gets around them all right. And do you want a team of similar dogs, or do you want a team of, of different dogs? What's your outlook? What What does a dog have to do to make it? Well, that question first, then I'll ask something else. What was the question? Team of similar dogs or team of different dogs? Um, I think it's, I think every trial is probably going to be different. And that's all I'm doing at the moment is trialing. I'm not doing real life work. Um, but every trial seems to be different with sheep and 
um, how the how the yard's set up or how things are set up so flow's different. Um, so difference is probably good, but I still want the same dog that's going to stop when I ask it to stop, come to a side when I ask it to come to a side and get in there when I want it to get in there or get off. Um, so they have to be, you know, they have to be on point there. Um, but, you know, Buddy Mingle being litter brother and sister, they're very, very different uh, in styles. Mingle's um, got a strong eye and Buddy's as loose as hell, man. But I just have to steer that bass around because he wouldn't even know that there were sheep there. Um, but but they do what they're told and um, they get in when they are told to get in. I think that's the, that's the big thing. And you mentioned there are a few dogs haven't worked for you. What what's a dog have to show you the main thing to hang around? Um, well, the ones that I've got rid of, I've had a couple of border collies that I've got rid of. That one was a UK line that I probably didn't give enough time to. It was early on in the piece that I probably didn't realise that I needed to probably just put it back in the box for a little bit or just have it on the ute for a little bit. Um, it probably would have worked but I just was impatient. Um, and some of the Kelpies, they didn't have enough come in. So they were nice and pretty out in the paddock and I could put them where I wanted to put them and do what I wanted to do. But if I went to a cattle trial, I wouldn't have been able to cattle trial them because they didn't have enough go forward um, for me. <laughs> they might have matured and they might have got better. But um, for me at the time, I would rather put that into another pup and, and go on with another pup. So come forward's a big thing for me. Like I want them to come in. I don't want to have to drag them in. Um, yeah. And, and you mentioned there that all you do at the moment is trial. If the opportunity come up to do a bit of work, mate, would you be willing to grab that with two hands? Oh, absolutely. I intend on while we keep getting flooded, I've, I've got about 20 years of holidays owing to me because I've never had any holidays. So I need to probably get out and do some more miles on real farms, and which I have been, um, but I probably need to do that more and, um, yeah, pimp myself out a little bit. There you go, listeners. Danny Kerr, get hold, get hold of him. If you need his contact details, come through us or we can get him on Facebook. And <laughs> doing that, mate, what, what would you have to get away besides some experience? What... what what would you like to take away from opportunities like that if they came up? Well, I don't get to see mobs. So, Carson, what, I love going to the three sheep trials, which is what I did the, the last week. I went to Dubbo, three sheep. Um, and my the best part of my week was I was just moving sheep around from, from um, paddock to paddock to, you know, so they were ready for the competitors. Um, because I don't get to see mobs. So I was loving that. Um, and the same with getting ready for cattle trials. I go down to Holbrook and help break in the cattle down there um, with Peter. And that's that's the duck's nuts for me. Like, I love that. Um, so that's what I would get if I went on to people's places is just moving stock. I love moving stock. I just love it. Pretty cool, eh? Yeah. And doing all that sort of stuff and your trials, how important is that natural cast for you? Um, well, it's, not, it's 
pretty bloody important for three sheep to get a good cast. Um, you know, you want that nice shape and you want that nice ending and you don't want to, you don't want to bomb them at the end because you want them nice down to you. Um, and the same in the, in the paddock stuff, you know, when we're doing, um, yeah, but I, I suppose normal people, they probably with real life work, they probably drop them out. So it probably doesn't affect them too much, but for me, yeah. I like my cast. I, I want to try and perfect my cast. I haven't yet, but I definitely like that nice shape. In being such a perfectionist, perfectionist, how um, how how important is trainability and having a biddable dog to yourself? I reckon it has to be pretty important because they wouldn't put up with my painless, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon they told me to get screwed because they didn't have that bit of bit, bit ability. Yeah, absolutely. Um, question here from Amanda Dunbar: What's one piece of advice you'd give to someone else starting out? Um, just keep, just keep practicing. Just keep watching everyone else, um, listening, chucking away the bad shit hanging on to the good shit. Um, for me, I've, I've been really lucky because in the Hawkesbury, we've got a, as you guys know, but a lot of people probably wouldn't, we have an awesome club down there um, that was great for me because I didn't have sheep. Um, so going down there and meeting the likes of EK Kelpies or Colli Collies, what are you? EK Wombats. Yeah. You know, the likes of Dan there um, and some three sheepers, Vicky and Alison, um, just pointing me in the right direction was gold for me. Um, I remember the first day I went down to the club, I had Dan ripping on my collar going, stand here, you idiot. What are you standing there for? Like, so surrounding yourself with people is key, I think, because you can just learn so much off, off people. And having a go. We're like... Surely, like you're at the top of the queue for that. Like you have a crack at anything, anything and everything. Yeah, I think that same day that I that you grabbed my collar and said stand here, I think I went into that that club and with my buddy at I don't know how old he was. He was just a pup, and they said, oh, what's he breeding? I said he's a New Zealand um, heading dog bred for cattle, and they said, what do you want to do? And I said. Well, what's what's this trialing thing? And they said, oh, there's three sheep, or there's yards, or there's cattle. And I said, oh, I want to do it all. And they said, no, no, you can't do that. You just got to you got to pick one and just be good at that. I said, no, nah, bullshit. I'm going to do. I'm going to try everything. And I, I am, and it's cool. It's awesome. That seems cool. Seems cool. What's that one there? Um, Joe Levens asked, have you ever considered leaving the horses behind and? Heading west and managing sheep or cattle for a living. I'm a very loyal bastard, as as you can tell that I've been with the same fella for twenty something years. Um, it's definitely something that I want to I want to end up doing. Well, I've just yep. bought a block out at Dubbo. Um, Congratulations! Thank you. Um, so it's definitely some. It's definitely something that I want to end up doing. I don't know when that right time is because um, I, I have a pretty good lifestyle here. Um, the horses and the family and um, the river, 
um, just not the floods. Um, yeah. So, but but yes, yeah, the end. I that's my end game is to be out there somewhere. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And you mentioned earlier that you had some young pups there, mate. Um, why? Well, one. Why did you? Well, why did you breed your pups? Why did I breed pups? Yep. I was getting pressured from everyone to breed my good bitch. Um, and I tell you what, I, I've never been so nervous putting her in pup, um, pupping her down or whatever you call it, whatever you call it. Um, I've never been scared, so scared of my life. I had bloody cameras on her. I was checking her every couple of hours. I've bred cattle. I've bred the sheep now and I've, and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of foals. Um, I've never been so nervous having that bitch in pup, let me tell you. <laughs> I don't know why I did it, <laughs> and I'm not real keen to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you consider when looking, like trying to pick a sire for her? Um, I knew I had a all-rounder bitch that was good at every. I think she was good at everything, um, and I wanted to compliment that. And I couldn't think and still cannot think of another sire that um, does, that complements that. Um, and Princess Timmy, I heard all the stories. I didn't really get to see anything apart from little short videos, um, but he ticks all those boxes for me. Um, and he obviously did for Greg. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and now Fred Cook, um, you know, I think he, I think he ticked all those boxes for Fred too. And and how are those pups going? Are they showing the things you wanted them to show? It's very early. Um, there's a lot of pressure, but I'm not. I'm not um, telling them that because I'm just kind of letting them be what they want to be. Yeah. Um, they they're ticking all my boxes at the moment. Um, I haven't got a. I haven't got a physical, you know, thing that they've got to meet, but. Every time I do something with them, I go, oh, wow, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I guess watch this space. <laughs> and you're in a fortunate position there to, to keep a few of them. But you mentioned you've got other dogs, other pups coming. How do you go about picking, if, you, if you've had the opportunity, how do you go about picking pups for yourself? Um, I don't know. I, I'm not real big on looking at the breeding just because I'm a bit thick. I probably should because it works for most people if they look at breeding and, but um, I like a bit of a connection. I'm a bit of a weirdo. Um, so the, one of the pups that I've got at the moment had a bit of a connection with um, Buddy and Mingle and um, had the, uh, the, the Greg Prince lines in there. And so it just kind of tickled my fancy because it had those few connections that I've already got. Um, yep. The, the Kelpie ones that I've picked wasn't on breeding as such, but the handlers, the handler, one of them, um, he's a big burly bloke. We all know him, Benny Costa. Um, and I just know the pressure that he puts on them. Um, so I, I just assume that um, they'll cope with my pressure. It might be different pressure. I haven't got a bigger voice, as big a voice as Benny, but... <laughs> And I'm, I'm definitely not as um, robust as Benny. <laughs> I'm not as physical as Benny. But um, 
with my training, I think that's a lot of pressure. So if they can put up with Benny's pressure and um, hopefully they'll put up with my pressure. Um, and the other one is just a really cool bitch by a really cool dog. So I went, yep, I'll try that. Beautiful. And what advice would you give to someone wanting to purchase their first dog or first pup? Well, I've listened to most of your podcasts and they say, everyone says, go and see it, see the um, parents work. So go and see the parents work. And, and if you're um, the same kind of trainer or handler as them, so do that, I suppose. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Great advice. Thanks. <laughs> So you've started a couple of dogs and there's been a couple do very well and obviously go on to win the Australian Utility, but how do you go about starting those dogs? What what have you found works for you? Well, I don't know if anyone – like I've only started a few, so I don't know if anyone should listen to me for sure because <laughs> I haven't broken in – a thousand of the buggers or one, you know, a shitload of um, titles. But um, I think we start them like as soon as we touch them. So yes. um, the pressure that we're putting on them, just even putting a bowl of food down for them or um, just holding them in our, in our arms. And, you know, that's, that's where it all starts for me. Um, and then it, goes through to the to the leading around to, to sitting at your feet to being respectful to everything around you um i take them everywhere i you know i do a thousand different things here in a in a day and they're always on the ute and i i rotate them around so they're always coming away with me or doing something so yeah, that's how i start mine yep absolutely i, I think it's um massively underrated just spending time with pups. i've always got couple of pups wherever I go and back to you or if it's be who's working the front paddock I've got the trailer set up out the front and I've got pups up there all day with me I, yeah. I reckon you're onto something there mate I reckon it's massively underrated yeah they get used to the noises you know like but today I had an excavator and a tractor going and and started a chainsaw and I had that little Queensland pup sitting on the back of the he was shitting himself for a little bit but by the end of the day he was he was happy as Larry um <laughs> so they come on the tractor with me and and I haven't got a cab on my tractor, so it's bloody loud and hot or cold, or so they they just do what they're told. And, yeah. yeah. Um, question here from Marie McKillop. Um, your passion and commitment towards your dogs is admirable. How much time would you spend training your dogs each week, and what do you do to ensure you're not overdoing it? I don't know if I'm overdoing it. Like I don't know. Yeah, I haven't – I'm worried that I overdo it and that's why, like I said earlier, that I've got so many so I would spread my my love out. Um, hours in the day on per dog, I don't know. I don't do very long sessions. Um, so this morning, um, you know, I had to feed the horses so I chuck one dog on or chuck two, dog, two dogs on this morning, fed the horses, went past the sheep, chucked them out or chuck one out, schooled it for a little bit. You know, it's probably three minutes. Um, as long as it's three right minutes, not three wrong minutes. Um, yep. That's enough for me. Um, the older dogs, so I had to move cattle this morning 
onto some fresh grass. Um, so, you know, it's a job. It was a job, but I still put a little bit of schooling in there. That only took probably 10, 15 minutes, but they still got a bit of schooling, but, uh, you know, let them have their heads a little bit. So, yeah, I think as long as it's good, good schooling or good um, quality stuff, I think that's the most important thing. If you spend two minutes just yelling and screaming at it, then it's not good. If you spend half an hour with it, you know, when it's all good, then happy days. Yeah. Yeah. Good work. And do you have any um, like milestone expectations for, for particular ages of for your dogs, for your pups? I'm hopeless at remembering their ages, as Laura would know, because I <laughs> defer to her dogs to know what ages mine are. So milestones, no, because I wouldn't even know how old they were. <laughs> and I really, I know how you do it, but you need a sit and a stop on your dogs from a very young age because of the horses on the property where you work. Yep. How do you go about putting that on them? Um, so again, it starts, you know, when they're tiny little puppies, you know, you, you kind of stopping them from jumping out of their box and hurting their legs. So, um, so, and stop, um, but it, I put them on a lead, um, I'll check them to sit and I put a whistle on them straight away and I'm leading them around, um, not on stop and I give them a check and a whistle. So that's, that's how I start it. And then that follows through to um, at feed time. I'll put a, a sit on them in their in their box, and I'll even put a back up on them in their box, or a get off um, whistle on them in the box, and a wait. So that's all. That all starts there. Um, as soon as I wean them, actually, even with those pups, I did it while they were still on their mum, while they were getting their, you know, their group feed. They would all have to wait beside me before I would put their bowl down. It's awesome. <laughs> On to it. Look at him go. Hey, what's your um, ideal training setup? Uh, well, here I've got um, two round yards because I've got my horse round yard, um, which is, you know, seven-foot fence that you can't see out, out of, uh, which is really handy. Um, and then down the back I've got a little round yard that's sheep fence, Um and that's a little bit littler so they can get in a bit closer to that. Um, and then I've got, I'm pretty lucky here because I've got some foaling yards um, that are probably, oh, they'd be 60 by 40. So they're my next kind of step um, and they're all meshed. So, you know, the sheep can't piss off on me. And then I've got- Keep the foals safe. Yeah, keep the foals safe. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and those little tiny pups in, um, <laughs> and then I've got bigger yards down the back. So yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky because it's set up for horses. Um, I've got multiple size yards and different areas that I can do all kinds of shit in stuff in. Um, and then I've got big, big paddocks that I can have good casts. They're not, they're not real life paddocks. You know, they haven't got, you know, they're only six acres. I think my biggest paddock here is probably 15 acres, probably not even actually. Um, yeah, because we're only a small block, so. Yeah. How many acres is, well, how big is the property all up, Danny? 
Uh, it's only 90-something acres all up. Good piece of real estate in Hallsbury. When it's not underwater. When it's not underwater, it looks fantastic. <laughs> it is. It's beautiful. And there's a question just come through from um, Karen Higgins. She's asked, do your dogs get free time? And if so, how much? And are they together in their free time? The older dogs, I can they can have free time together. And I usually take them for a big run, the older dogs, and maybe one pup. Um, again, I've got to be a little bit careful um, here because the horses are worth so much money. If I have 15 dogs out running, it's pretty chaotic. And I've got, I've got a little bit of control on most of them. But when you put pups in that environment with – it's just shit, really. So I – Usually run an old dog and a, and a pup, um, so I've just got a bit more control. And then occasionally I'll run all the old dogs and that pup um, just to have a bit of a play and stuff. Yeah. And you mentioned there when you're talking about pups, about so early, like putting a sit on them. How do you go about putting your sides on your pups? Um, oh, when, they go, when they go to a side, I just put that whistle or that – well, that whistle and command on it. Um, and then when they get a bit older, I, I make it happen. But even when they're, even they're, when they're running around me, um, when I'm giving them free time, if they're running, if they're individually running, not as a pack, um, if they're running a certain way, I'll, I'll whistle that. It's just, it just comes naturally to me to just to whistle it and say it when I see it. So I guess they're, getting sides put on them all the time too, I suppose. Yeah, just thought that you might, that's something you might do. So there you go. So it's a combination of dry work and, and on stop. Yeah. So when, I, when I'm playing with them in the, you know, in the smaller yards and stuff, the pups, I'll kind of put pressure, body pressure on them to, to move them off. And as they move them off, I, I always put a whistle to it as well. Um, very Beautiful. cool. So how long would you say you've had dogs all up there, mate? Buddy was your first dog, so what, four years? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And how long have you been trialling? Uh, I wrote that down because I knew that you'd answer. You. Uh, Mo Long, Mo Long, uh, 2020 was my first trial. Wow. And how did you go at that first trial? I had two pens. No placings. Yeah, but still two pens. <laughs> two pens, pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. And so you obviously do all types of trialling and you have been very sex successful in all of them. Um, I did have... In such a short time, yeah. Yeah, I did have some of your results written down when we did that um, little video interview with you for after Ningen. Yeah, um, yeah. I cannot remember them for the for the life of me, but there was a couple of firsts, a couple of seconds in, you know, three sheep, yard and cattle. Um, and now going on to win the Australian utility, why do you trial? Because it's bloody awesome. Yeah. Is um, there anything? What in, makes it awesome, mate? Yeah. Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. The people, the the beers, <laughs> yeah, that that is all awesome. Um, but man, 
like to pen in a three sheet is just unreal. Um, at working with a dog, I don't know, there's just something about it. Yeah, there's just there's something pretty cool working with a dog and um, getting that getting those stock that whatever it is cattle or sheep um, around like it's a pretty cool feeling. And how far are you prepared to travel for a trial? I wrote that down too. Um, so the furthest down south has been um, over the border in Victoria um, at the Man from Snow River Challenge. I can't remember what it's called, but anyway, it's just over the Murray River. So that's the furthest um, south and the furthest, um, <laughs> the furthest uh, west was, is Ningen. Yep. And that feels like a bloody a long way away. And the furthest north um, is Tamworth, cattle trial at Tamworth. Yeah. Cool. And you're prepared to go a bit further? Mate, I'd go overseas if I could. <laughs> I, I, I think that's – I really want to try and do a New Zealand thing, I reckon, yeah. if I get good enough that I've got a couple of dogs that would be – keep up with those Kiwi buggers, I, I definitely would go over there and – That's awesome. Bring something home, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Jeremy Lim's asked, what's your favourite dog trial to go to and why is it Holbrook? And why is it Holbrook? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is Holbrook. <laughs> uh, it's a cattle trial. The cattle are just, they're from a pretty good start with very good temperaments, uh, well handled all the time. So they're still testing. Um and it's run by Peter Govan, who's, who's a great mate. Yeah. And what do you think makes a good trial, mate? Um, good stock, good people, good dogs. Any particular order? All. Needs to be all. Otherwise, it's yep. a shit it trial. What, what do you need to achieve in yourself to walk away from a trial and go, I'm happy with that? Um things that I've been working on the week before. Um, so last week, I really wanted to get in that three sheep stuff. I, I really wanted to get placement right with um, within delivery box and um, carrying the sheep a little bit better than what I normally do and stuff. And I nailed that this weekend, I think. Yep. Um, Ningen was, I went into Ningen, I didn't have a, clock on me or anything. I didn't really care about the outside stuff, but I went to Ningen just really wanting to do well in the yard section. Um, and as the week went on, I got better and better in the yards. And I and even in the final, the last final, I did my draft and I said to the judge, Dan, that was a good draft. Jeez, I'm happy with that. <laughs> and he said, yes, that was your best draft all week. And I went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But is there been any influential people um, to help you oh, that you've looked up, you look up at in the trolling scene? Um, obviously, Peter Govan, who's, um, yeah, number one. Um, but I... And I actually yeah. stole that question. That's actually Tracy Lindsay's question. It's John Cantrell's. Oh, and, oh sorry, and yeah. John Cantrell. He's... Yeah, right. Um, good question, guys. Well done. Well done. <laughs> um, but I also like, 
I sound like a creep, but I just watch everyone and, you know, I'll get something out of everyone. So, but, yeah. you know, when I first started, again, the Hawkesbury Club, you, Dan, um, Alison, it, Tracy, who's asked the question, um, Vicky, you know, that they're all just pretty um, influential kind of people. Um, so, yeah. Oh, hats off to you, Dan. Hats off to you. No, mate, I don't know. I think uh, I just said, mate, don't, what the, don't stand there. You're blocking your dog. Get on the other side. That's <laughs> simple. Um, and obviously, okay. I was yeah. just going to say, like, you haven't been doing it for a while. Like, you've only been in it for, you know, three years trialling. But is there one that you seem to do well at each year that you keep wanting to go back to? Or I'm starting to put a list together that I will only do a, like a certain few because I, because I'm doing three sheep. I haven't done too many yards this year because it just hasn't worked out, but you know, I want to get a handful of yards, a handful of three sheep and a handful of cattle trials and obviously a handful of um, utility. Utility to me is that's what it's all about. All the ultimate, you know, the stock dog challenge with, with all three disciplines is the bomb. Um, so that, yeah, I am getting a couple kind of pegged in my long, um, for three sheep, um, Dubbo because a great fella runs it in John, um, our one in Sydney. Um, so they're kind of, that'll be my three. Oh, and Bungador. So I'll be bloody four far out. <laughs> <laughs> um, Henty's next week. So they'll probably end up being five. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and cattle trials, um, obviously Holbrook is is the one that I will go to every year um, while it's running. Um, Scone put an unbelievable event on, um, just gone, and I reckon that'll only get better and better. Um, Tamworth was fun. It's a different kind of trial. It's not you don't really get paid for um, good work. You just get paid for time, which I didn't really like, but I'll still go because it, it was quite cool. Um, that's a cattle trial. Um, yeah, so I, I can't remember what that question was, but I am getting a few together that I will just go to every year. Yeah, yeah. And, and I suppose people like yourself and I, we haven't probably really earned the right for this, but you get around to so many trials. If there's something you could change in a trial, what would it be? For a newbie. Um, the three-sheep stuff. I wish we could change, and I and I'll probably get ripped for this. But I wish it wish we could change just the direction we went, um, just change it up a little bit. I know they've got their reasons why, um, and traditionally that's that's why they run it a um, anti-clockwise course. I think it's anti-clockwise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would love to see. Mick Hudson, and I know he'll bloody do it because he's just a legend, but, you know, put a right-hander in there and have him yeah. coming on your left-hand side um, and stand on the other side of the, the bridge. I wonder how we would all go with that. Um, yeah. And yard, yard trials. I'd like to see, you know, different stuff in the yard trials. I, I've heard some of you guys talk on your on your show about in the old days there was foot baths and i reckon that'd be cool like some, something different like that yeah beautiful 
and we know where this one's probably going to lead, but what do you feel is your biggest achievement in your last few years, mate, of having a crack? Well, I've been thinking about this one because I don't think I realised what how big that Ningen thing really is, and I don't think I still probably get it. <laughs> I I love I I loved winning um, at Holbrook because the guy that gave me my first dog ran it. So I reckon that's probably my most special moment. Um, the big the big trophy from Ningen and being the first um, Border Collie on that big flash trophy in a Kelpie world, well, it's pretty bloody cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, probably the whole book. And for our viewers and listeners that don't know, what was that Ningen? Do you want to explain what that was, mate? Um, it's the Ningen Australian Utility Trial. I don't know. It's, yeah, it was the first Australian Utility Trial. Inaugural. Inaugural, so <laughs> first one to ever be held. So, mate, that, and mate, you're up against those legends there that have won countless utility trials. That's no short feat, mate. Like, no. Congratulations once again. That, that's pretty cool. That's I, I was in awe of just competing with those big names. Like, I, I first went to Ningen. My first Ningen utility trial was two years ago. I think it was before yeah. COVID. Um, and I came back from that trial and I said to Peter Governor, I said, these names, like Gary White, this fella had three in the final. What a freak. And then, you know, all these huge names. I was like, you know, that that's something to live up to. Like, that's what I want to try and achieve, that um, having multiple dogs and multiple years. And I looked at Gary's stats and other things, and I was like, damn. Um, not just Gary. There's, there's a lot of blokes that do this utility stuff. Um, and I think I came – I might have came second in the – and encouraged there that year and so i went home thinking yep that's that's the goal that's the the ultimate um and then i went there this year and and then i was running in the open with those big boys and i went how good's this running with the big boys this is this is cool um i used to love playing against um the big boys in the polo like even practice stuff you know you just lift your game a bit and um so running in the open with the big boys, I thought that's cool. And then I got into the finals and I went, yeah, like this is so good. Didn't have a, I didn't even think that I would have a chance in hell. And then everyone was doing the numbers and they were like, damn, Danny, you got this. You got this. <laughs> Greg, Greg Walton was sitting beside me um, and he was judging on the sidelines everywhere going, that's a point, that's a point, that's a point. You got this, Danny. Uh, no, those fellas, Gary White, um, yeah, that, they they can pull it out of the bag at the end for sure. I, there was no way, even right to the end, I didn't think I'd be able to do it. And does the current Australian Utility champion still get nervous? I got nervous about doing this shit, let me tell you. <laughs> I know. Um, not at trials. I don't get nervous at trials at all. Um, and I, Have you ever? No. Um, because, like, even the first trial at Molong, the three sheep, I all I wanted was a cast. Um, and I thought I'd worked 
I, I worked consistently for a week on uh, for two weeks on my cast and I thought I had it nailed but you know being somewhere new and first trial ever so that's all I wanted so I was I suppose I was nervous to get that and then once I cast out and got the sheep down to me they they got I got them down hot um, but they were still came to me um, and then to pen like yeah oh no I don't and I don't get nervous yeah no, that's nothing, awesome. There's nothing to be nervous about, really. It's just a dog and a, and a few fluffy things in the front of you. <laughs> and away from dogs, do you have any hobbies or talents that people probably wouldn't know about? I'm not talented in everything, but I – in anything. But I um, I love water skiing. Um, just got to find a good ski buddy, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're hard to find. We're not even there, mate. It's daylight savings in like four four weeks. I, know. I, I got um I got a couple of calls today actually going right. You got your boat ready because we've got to start getting the crew together. Um, <laughs> Remember, yeah. I work from home now, right? I know, I know. So just a shame you live on the other side. You pick me out, butterfly farm. True. Um, because swim yeah. there at some if we keep getting this rain. Yeah. That's that's one goal actually. I want to I want to ski on this property when it's full of water. <laughs> um, yeah, skiing skiing is. Um, oh, I just love skiing. It's and just put it out there for our listeners. He's not he's not too bad at that either. He's a perfectionist at that as well, and he oh, will keep practicing something until he gets it. I don't know about that. I've, I've broken my leg skiing, so that I'm obviously not that good at it. I don't see um, many people skiing with their hat on still. And it not wet. And then we get wet. Yeah, their hat not get wet. Uh, and also pretty handy with a welder. Yeah, that's another major major passion is uh, welding. Um, yeah, I love welding. It's um, yeah, I, I would do that for a job if I could. I think I just uh, I probably wouldn't go to be able to go to school and get the ticket saying that I could do it. <laughs> And, and normally we'd ask, like, what advice would you give to someone that wanted to pursue a life, a career in the livestock industry, but you're a little different. But what advice would you give to someone that thought about, because obviously we have people listen to us that actually don't have a dog and or want to like, and think about it. What advice would you give to someone that thought about getting a working dog and wasn't sure if they could put the time in or wanted to trial and wasn't sure? I... um. I I don't like people having working dogs that aren't going to work them. Um, it pisses me off, actually. <laughs> um, so if, I think if you're not going to trial it or you're not going to, you know, work it, I don't think you should get it. Um, but I probably, I, I'm probably few and far, but yeah, I, I'm probably not like normal people in that sense. But just with our, our Hawkesbury Club, there's a lot of people that just live in backyards and got a kelpie and then come out and run around sheep. And I just think why, um, but yeah, that's just me. But, uh, if you want to get into it, then you should surround yourself with the right people and, um, get the right dog and have a crack. Beautiful. And, um, who would you like to see come on to dog talk? I wrote that down too. <laughs> um, obviously, Mick Hudson has to get on here because 
he is our our generation of um of Princey, really. Yeah. Um yeah, so he has to come on. And I, you just you guys need to do what you gotta do to get him on. Um and also, so that's the three sheep kind of world. Um Anthony Mulder from Queensland is a cattle trialer who yep. beat me at who beat me at um at the Man from Snow River Challenge. Um seems like a really nice dude. Um he's from a pretty cool area. Um I'm not sure exactly what he does, but you know, he's he's around livestock all the time. Um he just seems like a cool dude. So I reckon he'd be pretty interesting to talk to. Awesome. Get on to it. Do it. We'll do it. Beautiful. We'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Time to pick a question, mate. Was there a question tonight that stood out for you? And they will win a bag Vinduro high energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. I didn't write any of them them down. It wasn't just even just the general gist of the question, I can find who it was. Uh someone asked. It might have been Amanda. She asked um, something. She did did ask a really good question, but I'll tell you what, I actually missed one of her questions, and it's actually a really good question for you. (laughs) Sorry about that, Amanda, but we're going to ask it now, and you've already picked us. So, Amanda, congratulations. You won a bag of Enduro Plus or Enduro Dog Food. Um, What's the question? And Danny, you're gonna get one for being a guest, but we're gonna ask this question as well. It's what do you think about keeping litter mates, and would you be concerned that they will bond to each other rather than you? And it's actually from her husband, Matt. Yeah, um, I've got individual boxes, and so my boxes is like a horse stable because it's got a breezeway. Um, so I swap my dogs around. You know, if they're being dickheads with each other, beside each other, I'll swap them around and just stuff with their heads a little bit um, because of that reason. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty important that they stay focused. Um, and if they're out together, um, you know, there's free time, but then there's work time. Um, and they have to be focused. Um, so, yeah, I... I, I worry about that and I and I try and school it so or try and work it that it, it doesn't happen. Because I hate dogs running around just lugging off each other or just not listening to me because they're, you know, f- so focused on the other dogs around them. So it yeah. doesn't even have to be litter mates. It can be just their mates as well. But, yeah. And although you got Buddy as a pup and Mingle later on, did you ever encounter any issues with those two growing up being little mates? No, all my dogs are really good together. Like, people, I, I think people get a little bit shocked that I, you know, like I'll travel and I've got a really cool trailer that I've got individual boxes, but then on my ute, I've got two boxes that I can just shove dogs in with dogs. And someone said to me the other day, oh, you put the two dogs together, but they all get along really good. Um, yeah. Cause I think because in their world, I'm the, I'm the top dog. So they, they're not going to blue with anything else. I think, I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good theory anyway, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to make 
um, a quick note to people with all the emails that have been coming through. Um, there was an update in the software, but I've now gotten the people that run the software to fix it for us. But all you need to do is go on, log on, clear your notification center, and then you won't get any more emails unless you are actually interacting and commenting on the posts. Um, other than that, they should stop. So if you jump on, log in, clear your notification center, it should be good. I will also be trying to put together a bit of a step-by-step -step video um, later in the week um, that will be on Facebook if you need a hand with it. Otherwise, just give us a buzz. Um, but, Danny, one last question. Would you rather fight one duck the size of a horse or 20 horses the size of ducks? Can uh, can Dan ask his one of, version of this? I can definitely ask my version of this if that's what you would like. Nick Hovey's right. version. It, it, or Nick Hovey's <laughs> version for um, for Danny is if you had to take on 10 Ben Costas the size of a duck or one duck the size of Ben Costa, which would you choose and why? Could you imagine 10 squawking Ben Costas? <laughs> I'll just I'll just take I'll just take one of those bastards on and there'll be feathers everywhere, I reckon. <laughs> oh. On that note, Daddy, thank you very much for your time tonight. We've had a great chat. No one would even pick up that you're nervous. Um, and to all our viewers out there, thanks for logging on. And please remember, we learn every day, and the day we stop learning will be a sad one for all of us. Thank you. Cheers. Adios.